All right, good morning, everybody. Turn to uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And while you're going there, I want to kind of tell you an interesting story about a newlywed couple. How many of you remember when y'all got married, how awesome it was? Hopefully it still is. I remember when Christy and I got married, how awesome it was. But this, this couple got married, and they had got in the car to go to their honeymoon, and unfortunately on the way to their honeymoon destination there was an accident the young man goes to pass a vehicle and doesn't see an oncoming car and they have a head-on collision and it causes him to flip the vehicle and roll into the ditch and both of them immediately were knocked out unconscious well there's a few minutes gone by the young man wakes up and he he, he realizes, I'm alive, this is good, but he looks over at his new bride and she's bleeding profusely and he thinks, if I don't get the bleeding stopped, she's going to die. I've got to do something now. And w- luck would have it, he looks up, they're out in the middle of the country on a country road and he looks up and he sees a sign in front of a house and it says, Dr. So-and-so. I mean, what would it, what, what, how awesome is it that when you need such a thing that it's right there in front of you, amen? So he says, I've, I've got to get her to this doctor that lives just right there. And so he picks up the young lady and he begins to walk down the road and he makes his way down the driveway and he comes up and he knocks on the door. And an old gentleman walks up to the door and he answers and he says, hello, uh, how may I help you? And the young man says, sir, I... I see you're a doctor, and he says, my wife, she's, she's bleeding badly, and she needs help. If, if you don't help her, she's going to die. Can you please help her? And the doctor looked at her, and he says, I'm sorry, son. I haven't practiced medicine for years. And the young man looked at the doctor, and he says, sir, you have two choices. You either need to save my wife or take down your sign." Y'all get that, right? You know, as Christians, we should be the sign bearers of Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Amen? Our Master, our Savior, our Prince of Peace. I mean, there's a song about that you can sing. But who are we representing on this earth? Are we like this doctor who we have the sign of Christianity, but we haven't practiced in a while? Because if you're not a practicer of Christianity, you need to take your sign down. Because you're doing more damage than you are good. In a a country now where where this postmodernist mentality of it is, is that your opinions are good for you and that's what you base your truth around, that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. When, when you go to Second Chronicles, I think it's chapter 5, it talks about, it said that there was, there was no God in Israel for a time, and it said there were no priests preaching the word, and there was no law. And there was no law because the word wasn't being preached, and there was no concept of a real God because His real truth wasn't being communicated to the people. Amen? And today, our, our signs would be such as Facebook and our cheesy little T-shirts and our little stickers on our car that say, I am a Christian. 
But here's the deal. Are you practicing it? Are you practicing what you preach? Are you displaying what you believe? Are you making excuses? It's amazing that Sissy, what she said actually is, has to do with this passage I'm about to read to you. She said something about, you know, I'm not perfect, but, but I know what God has for me. Amen? And so I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And in the background on this is Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And he's addressing two things for the most part. He's addressing the people, telling them to watch out for the Judaizers who are preaching legalism and the law for salvation. And he's also dealing with people who would take our freedom as Christians as a license to sin and accept the worldly ways. You see, there's two extremes here. You see, not only do we want to just be worldly, not want to be worldly, we don't want to be self-righteous and religious. We want to be what God has called us to be. So you've got to make sure that you keep it between those two extremes and keep it in line with the Word of God. But Philippians 3 verse 12 says that, Not that I have already attained this, or am already perfect. How many of you know that we ain't perfect yet? It says, but... He says, I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so here's the thing. He, instead of Paul saying, well, I'm not perfect, and accepting the ways of the world, and accepting defeat, and accepting bondage, he says this, I ain't perfect yet, but I am striving toward the call that Jesus died in my life. So I want to ask you this, what, what lies ahead? What lies ahead for you? See, the problem is, is we, think, we, we, we focus so far ahead, we see heaven, and heaven is great, amen? I'm looking forward to living there. I'm looking forward to having perfect neighbors, and, and perfect neighbors with perfect pets that don't come in your yard and eat your pets and, and, and people not stealing out of your cars and, and, and there won't be any emergency rooms in heaven and there won't, be any, there won't be any crappy insurance policies and there won't be any deductibles and there won't be any doctor visits and there won't be any, there won't be any marriage counseling and there won't be any divorce and there won't be any deaths. It will be life and life only and life abundantly. Amen. That's what we have in store for us. But the problem is, is we see it so far in the future that we can't accept the realities that Jesus wants to do right now in our lives. And we listen to Satan and Satan says, yeah, Jesus has given you freedom, but is that what he really means? And we compromise and we justify. And instead of getting up every morning and dying to ourselves and leaving what is supposed to be left behind, that's all we're looking at is behind. We're looking back and we're justifying and we're accepting. But what lies ahead now should excite us 
and even more so what lies beyond that in heaven. But what have we left behind? Let me ask you this. Have you left anything behind? Matthew 16, 24 says, and this is what Jesus said, okay? So don't be mad at me. If anyone would come after me, if you would come after Jesus, let him deny himself. Let him, let him take up his cross and follow him. Take up his cross. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And, and we, 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 we try so hard to hang on to our lives and to the world and to the things of this world and to the things of the flesh and we justify the flesh. And, and you know what? All, all we do is when we do that is we, we manifest a kingdom that we don't belong to. We manifest a worldly kingdom. And Jesus says, you know, the, the, the thing about taking up that cross is this, is put your flesh to death so that the Spirit may live. And Paul, is, Paul here is not justifying himself by his flesh. He is justifying himself in the reality of who he is in the Spirit. And that is a child of God. Amen. That is a citizen of the kingdom. That is someone who has been freed from the law of sin and from the law of death. But what if we pressed on like Paul and quit making excuses? Because what happens is people come to our houses and they say, I see there's a sign on your door and we have no help for them. We have no answers for them. We have no hope for them because we don't walk in the hope ourselves. And we're like this doctor who we have the doctor sign on the wall but we don't practice it anymore. We say we're Christians, but we don't raise our children according to the Scriptures. We don't, we don't facilitate our marriages according to Scripture. We have become humanistic, worldly, thinking, nasty, gross people. I hear Christians say, well, I've tried that, but it doesn't work. Therefore, announcing that they have no faith in what God has said. You know, you take children, for example. There, there's more to children than just spanking, them, spanking their butts. There's love. There's encouragement. There's training. But there also is spanking. The Bible says that, that if you don't spank your child, you hate your child. I'm going to tell you this right there to your face. If you do not spank your child when they need it, you hate your child. That's what God said. Not me. That's what God says. And, and you think, well, I don't hate them now, but you will when they grow up because you ain't disciplined them enough. But I'm going to tell you what's worse than not spanking your kid. It's when you spank your kid for acting like you. This is, this is the problem. Because as Christians, we all know, yeah, we need to whip our kids. But, but, and here's, first off, don't whip them for being kids. Spank them for being rebellious and disobedient. Don't, don't get on to them because they're getting on your nerves and they're doing what kids do. It's when, they look, it's, when, it's when they know they're doing wrong and you've just told them and they look you in the face and they shoot you the bird and they say, kiss my backside. That's when you need to spank their backside. Whose backside is it going to be? 
But what we do is I see people all the time say, well, I've tried spanking them and that ain't working. And then, and what's the problem? Well, they lie. Well, I'm like, well, so do you. They steal. I'm like, so do you. You see, it is, it is, it is our example that we set to them. The consistency with the Word of God. Don't think that it's not ever going to be tried. Here, here's the deal. You don't, you don't discipline a kid one time and then it all works out. Dad would have gave up 3,000 whippings before. 4,000, a million. I got three and four a day when I was, you know, five to seven years old. And it, and it was all from rebellion. You know, us, us, man. It's it's like, it's like, it's like the the more it's like the more the less integrity we have as Christians, the higher we want to raise our banners, because it's a cover up. It's a cover up. Gossiping people. They 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 won't talk about how how much they love Jesus, but they just all they do is they go around cutting people's throats. And lying and stabbing, and wives not submitting to their husbands. You know what? You know what? You know we really submission. There is no submission until there's a disagreement. Listen, there's just as much accountability on a husband as there is a wife. The Bible says, for the sake of your prayers, you need to be loving and merciful and kind to your wife. So don't treat her like a dog, and think you're being a godly man. You're being a demonic jerk. If that's the way you handle it. Because what we want to do is we want to read the scriptures to where it behooves us in a selfish way. We don't want to read the scriptures in a way that asks it, what do you require of me? What does it require of me? And here's the deal. God didn't create a lot of institutions. He created the family and he created the church when it comes to his kingdom. Amen? Amen? Amen. And, and they're, too, they're, they're very important. You know, and so, I mean, we have women prophesy. The Bible says in the last days your daughters will prophesy. It, it, Paul didn't tell women you can't talk in church, period. You can't do ministry or you can't even preach. He's saying that you need to be speaking the same thing as your husband. It's the context of the situation. And so, but what I'm saying is this, is if we're going to carry the banner of Christianity, if we're going to have the sign on our front doors, if we're going to have the signs, and please, God, get some good, tasteful signs, not... Not, you know, the latest, you know, bad church, you know, billboard sign. You know, get, you know, say, hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. But you know what? That, those, are, those are $2 things. But your life is what's valuable. Your life is what Jesus wants to sanctify. Your life is what Jesus wants to change. Your life is what Jesus wants to run through the fire. You know, the baptism of the fire and refine us through the refiner's fire like silver and gold and burn all the, the impurities that arise to the top so he can scoop them off so that we can become closer to perfection. But you know what? One day we will be perfect. Amen? And we need to think about those things. But what if we pressed on like Paul and quit making excuses? You see, we need to quit relying on our opinions. You know, hey, I have a lot of opinions that I just keep to myself because I don't see it adding any value to the kingdom. And some of them are uncertainties that I'm not sure of. And I figure, you know, when I figure it out, maybe I'll share that. But for right now, I'm just going to let it sit in the oven for a while. Verse 15, it says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. 
Why did he say those of us that are mature? Because the immature people aren't going to do this. The immature people are going to be worldly-minded. They're going to do dumb things, and they're not, they're, not, they're not going to be accountable for their integrity as followers of Christ and the, the impact it has on the world around them. But he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Think what way? Look forward. Look toward. Look in hope. Amen? Don't look back at where you came from, where you've been, what's happened. If you do, look back only to thank God for what He's done in your life up in this point. And if and He says, let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. You see, the reason why some of us aren't growing in our minds mature, in, in Christianity maturity is because we're not looking forward. We're not responding to what we do know now. And God is saying, if you look forward and you seek me and you will find me, you will grow, you will change, you will become of like mind. See, here he goes. He goes in 16, he says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So he says, if you want more, if you want to attain more, you need to hold on to what you have. If you want to know more, you need to respond to what you do know. Be faithful and have integrity in what you do know and, and, and live how you should, and then God will, God will show you and God will reveal. Wouldn't it be nice if God would have just, just like pushed a button and reset our brains? But it's a process. Because in that process is patience. And in that process is endurance and hope and love. And in that process is learning. And in that process is relationship. You can't have a relationship without a process. There has to be some things that you go through as two individuals to have a relationship. And God wants us to have that with Him. But when our focus is forward on God, He will guide our thinking. Because to look forward is to look forward in faith to see what God has for us, to see what God's promises are. But to look back is to just see what Satan has done to us and just accept that and to justify the situations that we find ourselves in. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And what he's saying here is this, is have integrity and follow those who have integrity. Be a person of integrity. Be someone who represents the sign, the banner that you bear. Paul says once again in 1 Corinthians 1, 11, 1, he says, follow me, not just follow me, but follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? And, and that's what we are to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be focusing on. You know, what we need to do as a church, here's the deal. We, we, need to, we need to find out what God wants us to be unified on, and we need to make sure that we get unified on what God wants us to be unified on. We need to quit focusing on our differences and our backgrounds and all these things, and we need to focus on, God, what do you want us to be a people about? And we come together on those things, and we begin to function in those things, and the world around us will see something revolutionized that they've never seen before, see a people who represents what they truly believe and represents the magnificence of a truly great ruler and king and lord. That's, that's you know, you know, the, uh, God is not going to bypass the church to change America. 
God is not going to bypass the church to change the world. God's not going to bypass the church to change Coots, Lumberton, and Silsby and Hardin County. God's intent is in the Word. It says He wants to manifest Himself through His church. And though we need to listen and vote according to the way the Holy Spirit leads us, we can't put all of our hopes and dreams into that. We have to understand that we as a people, whether, we, whether, whether it's a season of slavery in Egypt, whether it's a season of, of overtaking Jericho, no matter what season it is, God is still God and God is on the throne and God has all the power and God has all the manna and God has all the water and God has all the provision. Amen? And Satan wants us as a church to, to lose focus and to not, not strain towards the goal that God has put before us. He wants us to strain towards everybody else's goals. And sometimes even our worldly, fleshly goals. And the Bible says that though while we are in the world, we are not of the world. We're foreigners. We're the illegal aliens. We're the freak shows. The people that speak a funny language. The people that look different and eat funny foods. You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever gone to a foreign country and think these people are weird? We are the weirdos. We're the strange ones. We're the foolish ones. The Bible says that the natural man discerneth not the things of God, for they are foolish to him, and neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. We discern things that the natural man can't discern. We know things that the natural man, the lost man, the hellward bound man doesn't know, understand, or even care to know about. We know these things. We have privilege to this information. Eighteen says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame and with minds set on earthly things. This cannot be how we are described. Our gods are our belly. Worldly, selfish, earthly-minded people who glory in worldly things. And here he is, he's, once again, he's talking to people that are legalistic, but he's also talking to people who live like the world, saying, hey, we've been free from sin, we can do what the heck we want. He's trying to call some integrity. He's trying to remind them that while you live here on this earth, this is not where you are resident now. You're an illegal alien. You've got to go back to where, you've got to focus on where your homeland is. Verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Listen, we talk about being changed, finalized, perfected. It says, Who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Amen? We're going to be, you know, you know we, when we get saved, we are justified. 
Right now we are being sanctified. We're being made new. We're being uh, set apart. But one day we will be glorified. Amen? We will be made perfect in Christ in heaven for an eternity. But he says our citizenship is in heaven. You see, our, our, our rights as citizens ultimately come from heaven. Our hope comes from our ruler who is in heaven. Our, our way of life is dictated from heaven in this book. You know, you take, it's, I heard a story this week about referees. You know, a referee, he comes to referee a game and such as football. And football is a, a violent, aggressive sport. Think about it. You have two teams whose ultimate desire are opposite. They want to go that way, and that team wants to go this way. They, they're, 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 their goal is, on the, is in the opposite direction. They're, they're completely 180 degrees different. I want to go that way. You want to go this way. And there's a battle in between. There's a fighting for their, their, their touchdowns. You know, just, just you see it in, in culture. We have so many teams. We live in a, in a crazy, violent, wild, cultural mess. But these referees come in as representatives to this football game. And here's the thing. They're going to be there. The game's going to be violent. The guys are going to bust heads. They're going to be going in opposite directions. But these referees have a book that was given them from New York by a council, by, by the people that make the decisions that this is how football is going to be played. And those guys can play football, but here's the deal. The referees have the authority. The referees have flags and they have whistles and they can make calls in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness. And, and, and a football player can knock a referee down, but a, a referee can take a football player out. So it is with us. You see, we have been given a book from heaven that is the rule book. And we as the church are here to influence the world like referees. And we are to be making things that we are to be influencing the world. We're not here just trying to survive. We're here to influence the world and change the world and communicate this is what the Lord says. But you know what? Here's the deal. They, 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 one time the referees went on strike and they sent in temporary referees. But the problem was with the temporary referees in the NFL, they didn't know the rules. Y'all remember that year? All the bad calls that were being made. Why? Because the people that knew the book weren't there making the calls. And here's the thing about a referee. A referee wears his own uniform. He don't look like this team and he don't look like that team. And a referee ain't there for a popularity contest to make people happy. He knows this. He's going to be positively hollered yay and he's going to be booed. He's going to get both. But neither one, either one he's got to make the call. He's got to go by the book. 
he can't go by his opinion. And I mean, think about it. I mean, if you, nobody wants a referee that's leaning to one side and has favor over a team. They go through a lot of work to try to prevent that in, in any sport. But if we as Christians are here to, 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 be, to be commended because we're like, because we're afraid to share what the Word of God says, then we suck at refereeing. We're no good. We're, 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 we're doing nothing but looking to get the affections of the world of whom we don't even reside in in the first place. We are to be people who possess the keys of the kingdom that Jesus gave Peter, that Jesus gave to the church, and he says, whatever you unlock here will be unlocked, and whatever you leave locked here will be locked. And that happens first in our lives, and then it happens in the world around us. And so the thing of it is, is what does your sign say? And do you need to take it down? Oh, I'm a Christian. Man, it, it's amazing. It's like, the, it's like the further people get away from God, the more Christian stuff they post on Facebook. And if you happen to be following God right now and posting a lot of Christian stuff, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking to you. But you know what I'm saying? Because of our, we, we get, we get, we get, our conscience, man, just starts driving us crazy because we know better. And we try to cover up. You know, a referee that makes bad calls because he has favoritism for a team, he's not going to do it blatantly. He's going to do his best to cover it. We and Christians do the same. We need to be people of integrity. And listen, it's, it's because it's for your benefit. Now and Forever. And if we don't rise up, you know, we need to quit worrying about the United States. We need to worry about Hardin County right now. Hardin County, I want to commend them, though, on their respect for the nation. I want to commend them on their respect for veterans. It, oh, man, I was so blessed to go to Coots and watch those kids sing. And they, and they, they truly mean that. And you know what? It didn't matter what. It, they, were, they were black, white, Hispanic. They were singing, man, it, to watch those kids sing with pride that I live here, it, it, man, it touched my heart. And I, I really want to figure out how to let them all know, I appreciate what you did. But you know what? That's a sign of the church. That's a picture of the church. You know, we, we are, we're, we're getting there, but we are a blended church. We have people of every race, and, you know, and I want, to, I want to see it flourish because that is what God wants, and that's the picture of heaven. Amen. But how many churches aren't like that around here? We wonder why that there's cultural clashes in the world because there's cultural clashes in the church. It's because, the, it's because it, 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 every Sunday morning the stuff that's in the world is going on in the church. The backbiting and the gossip and the division and the racism and the hatred and the, the lack of integrity. And we want to jump on bandwagons that have nothing to do with our cause while not being on our bandwagon. You know, it's amazing how people will take a stand for Democrat, Republican. Hey, they will put the sign in the yard. They will take criticism for their choices. They will take persecution. They will duke it out. They're going to stand for the person that they want to represent them in the United States. But how many of us will stand for Jesus Christ. How many of us? How many of us when the time comes up, we just keep our mouths quiet and we just are covert Christians? 
and we don't do anything about it. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up. It's time to value what God values. It's time to, to get hungry for God's help. Because I'm going to tell you what, when you go back to Second Chronicles, it says this. It says that, that God troubled the people. And then they cried out to him. Here, here's, what, here's, what, here's the way you need to look at it. God, back in the Old Testament, God actively wrathed people. I know that's not correct. God actively smoked people's drawers, opened up grounds, took them straight to hell in their pajamas, blew their houses up, gave them meteor showers. But, but here's the deal. God still does that in people's lives, but it's passively because we do it because we do not listen to God. And Romans says that, that, that they denied Him and the power of Him and He turned them over and He turned them over and He turned them over. Today, the wrath comes as a result of our rebellion. You see, the Bible says that God has made peace with the world through Jesus Christ. But today, we're the warring party, throwing the stones and throwing the rocks. But the problem is, you can't hurt God. They just fall back on your own head. But here's the thing. When God is the problem, God is the only solution. When God is the problem, then God is the only solution. When God is not for you, nobody can be for you. But when God is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Who? He's looking. He's looking for somebody just like he was looking for somebody in Sodom and Gomorrah. He couldn't find nobody. Do you know that if there were ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, they'd still be around today? But he couldn't find none. If the, if, if, the, if the future of Hardin County rested on you and your walk with God, how would it fare out? And let me tell you something. This isn't a, an imaginary thing. It's a truth. Your walk with God affects this place that we live in. Because you're going to interact with people that I'll never see. And I'll interact with people that you'll never see. But we are all influencers, whether positive or negative, for the kingdom of God. The cross with which we stand behind, the cross with which we put before the people that we have on our signs and put in front of our doors. But ask yourself this. Where is Hardin County headed based upon your righteousness? If God, if you lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, would it, would, would it have been spared? Or would it have been destroyed because God couldn't find a righteous man anywhere? God's looking for righteous people to build a righteous church that will influence an unrighteous world. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes. If there is anything for you to be convicted about, I hope I brought it out. 
I hope that the Holy Spirit spoke into your life because here's the thing. It's not for your bad, it's for your good. It's for our hope. It's for our future. And today God wants to God God is God wants us to say who's who's with me? Like if God was running for president, how many of us would have his signs in our yard? How many of us would go to go to the go to the go to go to the fight for him? How many of us would stand up for him? How many of us would promote him? How many of us would do what he's asked us to do? Because here's the thing, if you're a Christian, he is your president. He's your God. He's your king. He's your Lord. He's everything. But we've really got to come to understand this, is that we are people of the kingdom. And we need to be people who walk in the kingdom, who talk the kingdom, who represent the kingdom. You see, I remember I was a little kid in Baptist church. I went to Royal Ambassadors. And I was an ambassador for Christ. That means I ain't from here. I'm from another country. I'm here representing the country that I'm from for a positive influence to help change people's lives. You see, because God rules in a kingdom that wants to expand. God rules in a kingdom that He wants any man from any creed, any color, any nation to be a citizen of. And there ain't a lot of paperwork to fill out. There ain't. There really ain't too much to do other than this is to realize that you ain't a citizen of that kingdom. And it's because of you, not because of him. And accept the grace of Jesus in your life. Amen. To be a citizen of this kingdom. You see, if you take a kid that grew up in Vietnam, and you take him when he's 18 years old, never had any English influence at all, and you bring him into the United States, he's not going to be able to speak English. He's not going to be able to function really well. And so it is with us, that, that with, with the lost. They don't, they don't function well in the realm of the kingdom because they're not citizens. They don't know the language. Like the Bible says, the natural-minded man discerneth not the things of God. And what you need to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is you need to be born again. You must, no questions asked about it, be born again. You need to somewhere in your life say, Lord, I, I repent and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and, and I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And some of us, we try to, we try to act like citizens of the kingdom but you can't fake something that you're not. Like I said, the Vietnamese boy, he's going to be a bad impersonator of someone who was born and raised in the States. He's going to represent where he's from. He's going to speak the language of his people. You know, the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was talking to the, the Pharisees and he says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. You see, that's the bad thing about life is sometimes, you know, it's really hard to not like things about your parents because you act like your parents. And Jesus was saying, hey, you act like you do because your father's not God. Your father is the devil. 
And that's whose nature you have upon you. But Jesus came to make peace with the Father. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by Him. So through Jesus, God can be our Father. And when God is our Father, not only are we adopted as sons and daughters, but we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. And I want to ask you this today. Are you a legitimate citizen of the kingdom of God? Are you a new creation? Old things are passed away. All things become new. Have you been born again? If you, if you were to die today, where would you open your eyes? The story of rich man and Lazarus, it said that, it said that he died and it said immediately. Let me tell you something, people. There's no purgatory. There's no overnight stop. It is an express delivery to your destination once you close your eyes in death. But to those of us that believe, we'll open our eyes in the face of the Father in heaven. Where is your destination today? Do you have a glorious heaven to look forward to? To compel you in your walk in this earth? To give you something? Do you have something to strive forward? Do you have a goal? Do you have a calling for God to pull you forward through this crazy chaotic world that we live in? While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I want to give you the opportunity today to say, hey, I know where my destination awaits. I know to which I am called to. I know when I die and I open my eyes, it won't be in the flames of fire like the rich man. It's going to be in the presence of my Savior, in the land where I will belong. And if that's you today, it's this simple. The Bible says, repent and believe in the gospel. And today, if that's you, today you say, I want to become a Christian. I want to become a citizen. I can't fake this citizenship on my own. I need something within me. I need the Spirit to come alive within me so that I can be the citizen that God is calling me to be. If that's you, I want you to make that decision right where you're at. I'm going to say a prayer, and it's real simple. This prayer isn't what saves you. It's your heart to say that, yes, I need the Lord today. And I believe this right where you're at. If you make that decision, I believe God can save you. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door knocking. And whoever will let him in, he will come in and sup with them. And he with them. If that's you today, I want to give you that opportunity. So while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, today I come confessing that I am a sinner. Today I come confessing that I need a new father. Today I come confessing that I need a new citizenship. And today I come asking for your forgiveness and for your grace to save my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Now while everyone's not looking still, I want you to keep your eye down. You know, the Bible said, Jesus tells the people, He says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. And so I think it's a very important time today. If you prayed that prayer today, you said, I want to become a born-again believer. If that's what you've done today, I think it's really important that you, 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 you decide and let people know that, hey, today I have become a child of God. 
So while no one's looking, I want to ask you this. If you said that prayer today, if you would just lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Several people. Amen. Today's the day. You know what? There's, there's no paperwork to fill out. There's no, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's no interrogation. You just change addresses. Amen. And so this is what I want to do. I'm just, I want, I want my, my altar ministry to come up. And all we want to do is we want to pray with you and acknowledge your decision today. And we just want to make a record of it so that we can just celebrate it with you. So I want everybody to stand. And look, there was, there was half a dozen people or more that raised their hands. But listen, most everyone here that has given their lives to Christ at one time or another has done this. And this, let me tell you something. Walking down this aisle doesn't save you. Saying that prayer doesn't save you. Filling that paperwork out doesn't save you. What saves you is your decision today to, to repent and believe in the gospel. Amen? Amen? And so if you made this decision today, as, as Teresa leads us in worship, I want you just to come and grab one of these people by the hand and say, today I decided to become a resident of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? If that's you, come today as we celebrate with you. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Anybody else? Uh, one more thing before we go. While they're talking to these people that made decisions today, I want to ask you, are you representing the kingdom well? Are you a mockery of the kingdom of heaven? Or are you a, a citizen that represents the heart of God? Are you, a, are you someone who comes to church on Sundays, but during the week you, you're a drunkard? You're a worldly-minded? You run with the wrong people? You know what? If you're going to have any influence in the, with the wrong people, it needs to lead them to Jesus. Amen? Not to live their lifestyle and not to condone what they do, but to bring them to the Savior. Because I'm going to tell you what, these people that you love so much that you can't stand not being around them, if you don't bring Jesus, if you don't show them Christ, they're going to end up in hell. And who's responsible for that? Who's responsible for that? You know, we are the church of Christ. We are His body. We are His emissaries. We, are all, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? We are to be going out with the message of Christ and sharing it with people. We're not to be causing division everywhere that we can, but we're to try to bring unity and try to bring people to Christ. And how many of you are doing that? How many of you are doing that? And if you're not, I want to compel you today. To, to, if you need to repent, if you need to refocus, whatever it is that you need to do, begin to represent the kingdom. Begin to walk in the authority that God has given you as a believer. Begin, you know what? Have you ever had a set of keys and you didn't know it, where some of those keys went to? You ever had a set of keys and there was a key on there? You're like, I don't know where this key goes. You know what that key is? It's worthless because you don't know what to do with it. 
But you know what? We need to know what to do with the kingdoms, with the keys that God has given us to the kingdom. Amen? All right. Father, I just come to you today. And Lord, I thank you for these that come today to make decisions, Lord, to follow Christ. Lord, I pray today that they know in their knower that they are children of God, that they are citizens of the kingdom. Lord, that they are new creations. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And God, I pray that when Satan comes against them to make accusations, if they're right, say, you're right, but I'm covered under the blood of Jesus. And let them walk in security of the work that Jesus has done in their lives today. And Father, we just thank you for these people, God, that have come. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that today, those of us that realize we need to make changes in our lives begin to obey, to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. God, give us the grace. Give us the wisdom. Lord, let us not be consumed with the world that we are to influence. Lord, let us be boldly proclaimers of the Word of God. Let us not be self-righteous. Let us us not be worldly-minded. Lord, let us do everything in love and do everything unto the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.